Hello everybody and welcome to the Badass Unicorn Summer Series, a programme of intimate conversations with some of my most badass friends. This series aims to provide honest, motivating and no-nonsense perspectives from people who've been there and muddied the t-shirt to inspire you as part of your own personal development journey. I have carefully selected a set of aspirational guests who've done some amazing things but who I think we'll find are very much just like you and I. Through their stories and wisdom, I hope you'll find pertinent nuggets that will fuel your growth and help you to realise your dreams. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my next podcast guest, Louise Emily. This episode is for all you badasses out there who are on the hunt for that ever elusive purpose. I know it can feel like a very tricky, windy and difficult road to navigate, which is why I am so excited to share Louise's courageous story about her pursuit of purpose. Louise spent 20 years running marketing for some of the UK's most loved food brands like Britvic and Kettle Chips. But this year, she gave it all up in the quest for more fulfillment and meaning. This saw her quit her high-powered, no-gel, highly remunerated job without a clear idea about exactly what she was going to do next. A blank canvas, if you will. We're chatting to Louise early on in the start of her journey as she follows the scent as a visual artist. Louise, I cannot wait to talk to you more about this. Welcome. Hello, Alice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about the conversation. And I hear I'm your first ever podcast. You are indeed. Yes. So, uh, yeah, be gentle. Although I know you, uh, you know, you like to ask the good questions. So, um, yeah, let's just get stuck in. I will. I will. But I'm sure this is going to be the first of many. So I think we should start kind of with your background, really. So tell us a bit more about what has led you to this point and your career in marketing? So, as you said, yeah, 20 years is a long time. Um, and I absolutely believe that, you know, I had a fantastic time. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't have stayed there for 20 years, that's for sure. Um, but when I look back at the sort of, there's two main golden threads running through. Um, and that was a real curiosity for um, human behavior. Why do people do things? You know, what motivates them? I, I'm, I ask questions like a child. I'm so intrigued by how people behave and react to things. Um, and you get that from marketing, lots of research groups. And that was always one of my favorite things. Um, and then the other bit was all creativity. It was all creativity related, you know, creating products, designing things with teams, communication campaigns, all of that. So those two things have, have always been there. Um, and so when I came to a point, which I'm sure we'll get into, but, um, you know, what next? Um, it was really clear after a lot. I mean, saying it into, you know, those two things, it took me a long time to get to that level of clarity. Um, but once I did, it didn't actually seem such a, a shift, such a change to then pursue a career in visual art. Got it. OK, and we're definitely going to talk more about how you came to the visual art stuff, because I think your process for figuring out what to do next is one of the things our listeners will really enjoy hearing about. Um, yeah. So you obviously had this interesting, fulfilling job in, in, in marketing, working for some great brands, doing some great work. When did you start to get a sense that perhaps it wasn't ticking all the boxes that you needed it to? So um, I had a very clear goal at a certain point that I wanted to become marketing director, you know, the, the pinnacle of most marketing careers in my mind. Um, so blinkers went on, um, full steam ahead. Um, as you know, I don't tend to do things by half, but, um, you know, there are sacrifices that come with that. 
you know, you don't get time to spend, you know, as much with your friends and family as you'd like and all of that. So, you know, consciously making sacrifices for the short term in order to be able to achieve that goal. Um, and I, I, I did achieve that goal. Uh, and then I got to the sort of top of that mountain, looked around and went, oh, <laughs> what next? <laughs> what has happened here? I thought that this was the key to everlasting happiness. And of course it wasn't. Um, and, and, you know, you, you hear it so many times with, I don't know, uh, Olympians, um, other athletes, people who go and perform on the Super Bowl, they've had this in their head, maybe since they were a child or at some point they, they kind of took this in that this would be the answer. Um, and then when they get there, they just feel this sense of sort of emptiness and that it was a bit of an illusion. Um, so I think I had that sense and, and it's, I, I Googled the hell out of it and, and got to this phrase that was a positive psychologist he, he coined the phrase um, arrival fallacy. And it is that illusion that you get to this goal and you think it's going to be the key to everlasting happiness. And, and it's just sort of empty. So as cheesy as it sounds, it, and there is, there is a reason, a substance to the, 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 the phrase, it's the journey, not the destination. Um, and so that's why I thought, right, I really need to understand if I know that this isn't it forever, then and it served a purpose up until then then I have to then move on to the question of well what next and what what do I want to do um and and not having um not having a goal that is externally focused looking for external validation looking for something that's much more intrinsic um and trying to get to something that it will enable me to have much more enjoyment day to day um rather than sort of postponing that that gratification to a goal that you know when you I know when you get there now having experienced the feeling that it lasts you know I was happy when I got the promotion but it doesn't last amazing I love the term arrival fallacy I think it's I think it kind of hits the nail on the head and I'm sure lots of the people listening can potentially identify with that concept so um perhaps you can share a little bit more about how you were feeling in your role prior to kind of making the decision that you wanted to do something different? Yeah um, I mean there were a few things I mean we've all had a bit of a rocky ride with Covid and everything like that so you know it's quite hard to distinguish all of the different thoughts and feelings that are going on when you're in a global pandemic <laughs> um, but you know it, it's just that it, it, it definitely is the art of paying attention um, you have to just pay attention to how you feel in good times and in bad times. And just that that kind of conscious thought, which was, OK, I know something's wrong. You know, it starts with kind of these little little kind of signals. Um, and I just kind of was aware and I just listened to myself, listened to how I was feeling when I felt tense, when I felt angry. I think that's a really un underutilized emotion. You know, there is no mistaking anger. Um, and so that tends to jar with your values and things like that. So just be really hyper vigilant. It's tiring, but but interesting, you know, go with it. Um, and, and I was I was feeling, I think, personally, a sense of, you know, there must be more. I just felt this nagging feeling that there must be something more. And it was nothing to do with the, the company that I was working in. It was, you know, it's a classic, it's not, it's not you, it's me type of thing. And so I just had to kind of go, right, no, no one else. The scary thing is no one else can answer this but me. Um, and 
and that that is very scary that is there's no two ways about it so yeah you just have to start and it takes time and I'm terrible at you know I want the answer now um so yes it was it was a long road but definitely bore fruit and the deeper I I sort of ended up going right well let's see how deep this rabbit hole goes <laughs> cool well let's talk about the rabbit hole then um you describe this kind of nagging feeling some people might call it an itch but something deep down where you went is there more um and, yeah. and I love that concept and I'm sure a lot of people can empathize with that feeling I, mm. I certainly felt like that um yeah and so you, you, you became hyper vigilant. You started being conscious about your energy and what was making you angry. And probably the more that happened, the more compounding it was that you perhaps weren't in the right place for where you wanted yeah. to be in the future, et cetera. Talk to us a bit then about your, before you made the decision, like the, the decision to, to do something different and to change, which we're going to get onto. But tell us a bit more about, the decision-making process up until that point where you're kind of seeing all these signs and perhaps feeling frustrated and scared as you talked about. Yeah. Um, I do think fear keeps us trapped. Um, and so I was really conscious about that. Um, and I, I just got really determined to figure it out because it got to the point where it was worse. The feeling of, of, you know, it's almost like when you're in a, you know, when you're younger and in a relationship and you know you've got to break up, but you kind of, you wake up every morning, you're like, oh God, you know, you've got to do it. You have to at some point do it. So that was building and building over a period of time um, that it was almost, it was, it was definitely worse to stay where I was than to move on. So I, I think that's what drove me to be so determined. Um, and I could see other people who had, you know, who had come out the other side and, and, so there was evidence that, that, that it was possible, um, which was great. Um, and I think I did a lot of, I did a lot of writing stuff down. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Um, it's not just for artists, it's just a really interesting um, read. And, and one of her things is she talks about um, morning pages where you just get up in the morning and you write three sides. She doesn't specify how big the, the page is, but three sides <laughs> in your book. Um, and even if you don't know what to write, you just say, I don't know what to write. I don't. So, so you basically get what's out in your head out onto the page. And so I've kind of used techniques like this to just clear, like flush things out. Um, and then you'd eventually start to see things appear um, that were common themes. Um, and then I, so I just find, found multiple ways in. Um, the other thing was, um, was looking at what did I actually want my life my day-to-day -day life to look look like because I knew about this arrival fallacy thing I was like well okay let's let's break it down to a day what, what will that what will great look like and it came up with a list of I want to be able to pick my kids up from school you know I want to um, be able to see my friends and family more um, you know all of those types of things that I, I don't want to kind of feel stressed I want to be in control of my own destiny I want to be able to take some time off over the summer um, lots of different things like that, that I got very, very specific in what I wanted day to day, week to week, year to year. Um, and that really helped because it, it created some kind of like anchors for me to then build off. Um, and it ruled things in and out, you know, I, I can't do this. I know I'm a morning person, for example, like just take account of who you naturally are. Um, I'm, I'm a morning person. I'm not a, someone in the evening, so I couldn't do something that, 
you know, required me to be awake very late at night because <laughs> I get pathetic. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, it's all those types of things. Um, and then I just spoke to people who I trusted um, because I, one of the things, you know, you and I met on a fantastic program called the Marketing Academy. And one of the things that taught me was the importance and value of coaching and mentoring. Um, and as a result of doing quite a few coaching sessions, I can now coach myself in a way. So just talking to myself, but talking to friends that are extremely good at asking why. Um, and this other approach called the five whys. So you kind of like, so you start surface level because we often operate surface level and then you ask yourself why. So uh, I feel really, really stressed. Why? I'm, um, I'm not sleeping. Why? Because I'm worried about, you know, it, and you kind of like go into it. By the time you get to the fifth why, you realise that actually, you know, that's one of the things that got me to, I want to spend more time with my, my you know, picking up my children after school. And I, you know, because there's the guilt of, I'm not there for them and things like that. So I thought, right, well, let's just rectify that. So I think I, I ended up identifying things that I can re could remove from my life that I didn't want um, and getting more of a, of a balanced um, approach. And I'd say finally, the thing that I would recommend, um, and this is a bit that people don't often like, um, is you know as a society people and I'm totally guilty of this we numb ourselves and we distract ourselves when there's something bad going on um, to avoid it and avoid, the more you avoid it the more the anxiety builds yeah you, you can you can identify that so I was absolutely guilty of doing that before I went on this to started this quest and the only thing I could do to to make sure that I wasn't you know uh, looking at my phone was to physically take myself into a yoga studio. And it's not just any old yoga. It was a very calm, quiet yin yoga for anyone who's done that. And I am not like a yoga person or anything like that. I just forced, this is the only thing I had left. Um, and it's basically, you sit there for an hour, hour and a half and you do about five moves, but essentially you, you are not allowed to talk to anyone. No one talks to you. And it just allowed me to just, I just did that repeatedly each week and it just made space, space for, for good thoughts and, and inquiry to come to the surface. Great. I love all those practical tips. I'd build on the one where you were talking about what you wanted your day to look like. One of the um, exercises we do on my Ignite Your Potential course is your dream week. Yeah. In, let's say three years time or five years time. And when you start to think about what those things are, then you can start thinking about a career or a, a, what you could change in your current role that will help you to be more aligned with that in the future so I think really being strategic tactical however you want to look at it about what good looks like for you almost like a brief I mean we're marketers right yeah. both of us are yeah. marketers it sounded pretty much like you almost wrote yourself a brief for what do I want this next chapter in my life to look like? I want it to include being able to pick up my kids, less stress, working in the morning, flexibility, creativity, whatever it might be. And off the back of that, you then went out in search about what that might be. Yeah, 100%. And, and that is absolutely true. I'm, I'm a big fan of the brief, you know, <laughs> I, I brief, you know, so that, that's quite funny, actually, that you picked up on that. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a really great, great way of summarising all those different things. Yeah. Perfect. I loved all the practical ideas that you shared as well. I'm sure our listeners will be 
writing those down. I'm going to try the five whys for sure. So you mentioned the Marketing Academy Scholarship. And um, as you said, you and I met on that in 2017. And for my listeners, many of you will know that the Marketing Academy Scholarship had a huge impact on the person that you see in front of me. It really was the turning point for me or one of the key turning points, because I'm not sure there's ever just one. Um, of me being like I want more um, and, and saying what would I do if I wasn't afraid what would I really like my life to look like and it was a real turning point for me and that it was at that moment where I realized if I wanted my life to look different I had to do something different and unfortunately I had to either shit or get off the pot um, and this wasn't just going to fall in my lap you know it's like men thinking they're going to be spotted by the England captain when they're playing five aside on the on the on the common or whatever like that that doesn't happen okay you have to go out and, and search for it um so tell me a bit more about your experience of of the marketing academy and, and how that played a part in your journey yeah well I've already talked about the coaching and the the mentoring which was and that was really the first place that I'd experienced the power of that and I think a lot of it really was I mean we were a cohort of 30 people um and yes I felt the impact of it myself but seeing the impact on other people was just incredible like you could often see it couldn't you in other people and their transformation within the space of just the first week when we spent a week um together in a, in a kind of boot camp scenario um so that that was really powerful when I saw that um and then the other thing is the tools um so I think just just the different ways of looking at it I absolutely use those things that I've just listed um and looks for other tools that and ways in so I kind of had a trust in the fact that there are tools out there that when used appropriately they really help you to get to where you need to be um, and then the final thing I'd say on it is just really about um, your beliefs and how you can have really limiting beliefs and then there was this process that you could go through to start to unpick them um, and so I think the limiting belief things was really powerful for me because it, it, it just reminded me to be to be vigilant again and to make sure you look out for beliefs that are no longer serving you. Um, you know, who says society, who, who said, you know, society might say that you need to achieve a certain position or have a certain, I don't know, so I'm, I'm less bothered about material things, but some people would be very bothered about the type of car they drive or whatever. And, you know, there's certain beliefs that you just get through childhood and, and as you work through life. Um, and I just think at this point, a big change, I just needed to sort of unpick it all, question it all and, and sort of shed the ones that weren't serving me any longer. Mm. I think often the, the the worst beliefs that we can have are the self-limiting ones we have about ourselves. I can't do this. People are going to laugh at me. I'll never succeed. What if I fail? Yes. I'm sure you had some of those before you embarked on this next chapter. Tell us a bit oh, about yeah. that. Absolutely. I mean, the what if I fail, like I say, that, that fear, it's literally like you feel like you're jumping off a cliff. You know, it, at one point you, you do just have to jump. But um, it's a real fear holding you back. But I tried to just reframe it and just go, right, well, how would I feel at the end of my life if I didn't do it? And, you know, I'm, I'm always, I'm very comfortable thinking of, uh, about death. I have this whole memento mori. I have like these skulls and stuff to remind me all the time. I'm kind of a bit like, like that, but um, it, it's because it makes me feel at peace because I just think, well, it's not that bad. It gives a sense of perspective. 
so I sort of challenged myself to it and just kind of that getting comfortable with feeling uncomfortable I think it was and also a a craving for adventure you know we'd spent two years locked up in our houses I I was definitely ready for shaking things up a bit as well and and tried to translate that fear into excitement Um, so yeah that's how I looked at that that's great I think I think that 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 fear of I don't want to look back and think shoulda, coulda, woulda was definitely one that drove me. I don't want to be one of those people that said, well, if I had just tried that, then maybe I would have made what I wanted to happen, happen. And actually that fear overrode all of the other fears. And I was like, I'd rather fail, make a fool of myself, have people laugh at me than hate myself for not giving it a go in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, more than ever, we've seen that things can shift and what you think is safe and will not ever change, it, it can. So, you know, it, it it really is your perspective and where you're coming at it from. So Yeah, it's absolutely right. I, I often think, you know, if I'm having a trickier month billings wise, I'll be like, oh God, wouldn't it just be nice to have a regular salary that gets paid to me every month, regardless of how well or badly I've done. And then you have to think to yourself, well, you're never even safe in a job, right? How many of us have been at risk of redundancy? How many of us have had a restructure that means we've got a terrible boss that makes work hell every day? Like, without being too doom and gloom, we're we're never safe. Everything is everything is changeable, right? At least. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and I've always had this sense of time slipping through my fingers. Um, And I think when I was younger, that was that translated into right so you've got to fit loads in and everything like that and and there's definitely still an element of that um but I kind of see you're trading your time for sort of like almost like seeing as time tokens you're trading it for what you want to spend your life doing um and I felt like that I was I was like oh my goodness I, I felt like I was spending hours and hours not doing the things that were giving me joy and happiness and that I wanted to do having identified them on that list of what's my ideal day or week um, and once I'd identified that, I, I really felt like I was spending time in the wrong place. And that took away the, the fear as well, because I thought, well, it can't be a wrong decision because I know that I will immediately be able to do these things. I might not be, you know, as well off as I once was with the regular salary, as you say, but I've already identified that doesn't matter to me. I love that, the idea of time tokens. And yeah, I think once you've got once you've got the itch unless you can like I don't know ignore it with booze or whatever other numbing (laughs) techniques we have um yeah it it does become incredibly you become incredibly aware about about how you're spending your time and this this what you're sacrificing essentially um okay amazing so let's talk a bit more about this big decision that you that you made so um where shall I start with this I think so Louise and I's journey to the pursuit of purpose looks very different in terms of the turning point when we started to do things differently so I came off the marketing academy in 2017 and I just started dipping my toe into this personal development universe I started to blog I started to put it on my Instagram I started to tell people anybody that wants a speaker I'll do it for free just give me a meeting room in your team I mean Louise probably remembers the messages that I sent to the scholarship group asking for opportunities 
And so mine was a very, very softly, softly approach. And then I had my demotion, which was a big spur on towards this is really what I want to do, double down. Then I moved over to learning and development at Deliveroo so that I could be more aligned with the things that I was good at and gave me meaning. And then it was a redundancy situation during COVID that forced me, pushed me into going full time on Badass Unicorn. And here I am two years later. So my journey was very gradual. Um, and it was very much over the course of a number of years, doing things, trying them, failing, trying this, doing it again, blah, 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 blah. And, and slowly but surely kind of moving towards a more purposeful space. Whereas Louise, and one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on this podcast so badly was that you did something completely different to me. You took a huge leap of faith and essentially decided that you were going to quit your job and see where this 40 hour week could take you in pursuit of doing things that gave it, gave you meaning and fulfillment. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I, I can understand why it seems um, a dramatic jump. Um, and it was, in, I, I guess it was, there was an element of jumping at the end. I don't think you can avoid that at all. Um, but it probably was more gradual than it looks at first at first glance. Um, so I certainly wouldn't recommend that people <laughs> just say, sorry, I'm just going to do it. Fuck um, this, I'm quitting tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, no, it, it was a period of years. I would say, you know, it, it started, you know, probably a good three, three and a half years ago now where the, the questioning, all of that work, like I say, it, it takes a lot, lot of time. Um, so there were a few things that I started doing and investigating and, and things like that, just in terms of getting to a point of I know that this isn't probably what I want to do for the rest of my life. But then what do I want to do? So um, and I think I I'd, I'd just got to a point where um, it, and, and the, cat, the real catalyst was um, I was walking with a very good friend of mine um, in a forest uh, local to where, where I live. Um, and she just looked at me and she just said, where is the joy? And it was just that moment of, you know, when you think you've kept everything inside and that, you know, no one can tell that you're not feeling great. But when you get a good friend and you just that there you are in the forest and she, and I thought, God, it, it's actually real. I, all these feelings are real. It just it just opened everything up. It was like she opened this Pandora's box and it was like, wow, OK, this is happening. Um, and so from that moment on, um, I basically started to go, right, OK, I really need to figure this out because I'm not keeping this in anymore. Like it's 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 going to going to have to I'm going to have to action it. Um, and and then I took a series of steps, which was um, when I went down to part time hours. Um, and so I spoke to my boss at the time um, and requested part time hours. Um, and that gave me a bit more headspace to just figure out what I wanted to do. And it gave me a chance to spend more time with um, my mum, sadly got diagnosed with cancer at the time. She's, she's actually recovered well, but um, that was the catalyst. That and my friend asking me, where's the joy? It, it was a reminder that life is short and you need to get on with it, Louise. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I, I, I did that so I could spend more time with, with her and with my family, but also it gave me that headspace that I needed. So, um, so yeah, I, I then had that part-time working for, for a year and I was like, right, well, I need to save up because I'm going to give myself this year of gradually figuring it out. Um, so saving up, cutting out all the things that you don't need to spend money on 
And okay, I'm happy. I was prepared to make those sacrifices. So financially preparing for an ultimate leap of faith, maybe, you know, I still wasn't fully committed, but I was like, you know, this is where it's headed. Um, and then I think it was basically, um, I, once I kind of started to feel a bit more in control of my life, having given myself extra time in that um, the September, this is September 21, I just felt like I'd identified what was missing. And it was this lack of creativity, which had been part of my life the whole time. And it had just, for various reasons, just gone out of my life. And I just thought, right, I went to Hobbycraft. I've just bought a load of stuff and found stuff of the kids and everything. And I just spent some of my free time and just started drawing again. Um, and, and for some reason, just resisted painting, probably because I thought it was going to be messy, which is, um, but you know, <laughs> all of those things. And then eventually I just sat down one day and went right and started painting. And the feeling of joy I, is indescribable. Um, and I just suddenly, to be honest, shed a bit of a tear. And, I'm like um, getting teary now and my <laughs> hairs on my arms are all, all standing up like I, I, I know that feeling yeah yeah and it, and it really was that moment and I, it was very surprising and I just thought wow and almost like what is this feeling and I was like my god it's like it's actual joy like this is it and it's really sad to say but that's how disconnected I'd become you know from that that daily enjoy all that enjoyment that's just just mine you know we all have enjoyment of you know, I don't know, eating something delicious or spending time like cuddling, you know, your children or whatever, all of that, definitely. But something that was really, truly just mine was was really, really powerful. So I just followed the scent, um, carried on and just couldn't stop. <laughs> couldn't stop painting, just 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 carried on and on and on. Uh, spent the Christmas and New Year redoing um, this room, which is now my studio. Uh, so I had a space that I could shut the door on and and, and everything. Uh, and then I thought, wow, OK, let's look into this malarkey. Let's see, can, can people actually, you know, do this? Is this is this the thing? Um, listened to lots of podcasts, did lots of investigations, reached out. So it sort of started really when I looked back to create a, a new community, connections into the new community that I was I was about to leap into. Little did I know at the time. So that was really useful. And and just like looking for signals that, oh, actually, people can make a living and put food on the table from from doing this now, which is very different to when, you know, back when I was leaving university or, or leaving school, because there were lots of gatekeepers. You know, you had to go through a gallery, for example, whereas now with technology, there's a lot more opportunity to be able to do things with creativity. So that's fantastic um so yeah it was it, it was just really a series of steps um and then by the time it got to the april um because for my for my um for my part-time working i'd agreed a fixed term contract of a year um and so that came that was coming to an end and and that's when i jumped <laughs> yeah leapt leapt exactly i love yeah. that um but interesting, I, I love that you still talk about it was a gradual, it, it, that there was that, that almost that transition year where you were figuring things out and then you didn't actually leap until you felt like you had something to leap onto. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, I've got no fucking clue. I'm just going to quit my job <laughs> and like start again on Monday, um, yeah. which, which I probably miscommunicated earlier on. So, so that, that's really useful context to ease. But it is fair to say that 
one of the things that gave me some um some self-belief about the fact that I could make a go of this business was that I had sold stuff before like I did a course in 2019 and I sold 20 tickets and I was starting to charge to run workshops and things like that so I think I can see it on here on my inspiration board you know I'd made 6,800 pounds before I actually took the jump to say I'm going to do this full time but I'm guessing had you made any money from your art before you decided to leap? No, but I'd proven to myself myself that I could make paintings that I was proud of um, and or at least had the skills and the ability to kind of do it based on what I was seeing in, you know, other people do and things like that. So, you know, I wouldn't advise people to go, oh, yeah, I just fancy doing this. You know, if I'd gone on left and gone right, I'm going to be an actress. I mean, nobody wants to see that. Uh, you know it it wouldn't be a good thing or a singer or something like that you know it's 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 you kind of need to have a little bit of both a little bit of you know I I I was good at art at school um but it just wasn't the right time for me to do it and I think that I'll be a better artist having had 20 years of doing other things because it's it's more interesting hopefully um but also I was restricted by time you know I I had on my list I I have two children I need to look after them and so you know it's all very if if you're if you don't have children you have a lot more time to be able to dedicate to doing a full-time job or even a part-time job plus you know trying your other thing out and as I said I'm terrible in the evening so I, 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 I kind of had got to the point where I tested out as much as I possibly could while still holding down a part-time job and still doing the things that I wanted to with my children. So I didn't really have much choice other than to kind of go for it. Mm, yeah, I love that. I think it's it's really important. You had, you'd done enough at the point where you took the leap that you had belief in the offering, the proposition that you had. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to yeah. get better and better and better. And you're going to figure out more about what the market wants. So you're going to paint more yeah. of those things. And all of you don't have all the answers but you had enough conviction and belief in the proposition that you felt like this was a risk but yeah it could also work yeah exactly and and I think it's important to remember all of the skills that you know if anyone's thinking about doing a, a having a leap um is don't just throw the baby out with a bathwater all of those skills and experiences and and things that you became good at over the course of your previous career is is transferable and so you know I had the advantage which a lot of people who go to art school and then come out that you know they don't teach marketing at art school and I've got 20 years of marketing experience so that helps you know 50% of the coin really Um, so I know that my big thing now my big focus is working on my skills and composition and things like that so um that's really what what my focus is now but I'm, I'm kind of comfortable with the marketing side of things and sort of holding it back you know I'm, I'm not trying to sell things at the moment I'm I'm not looking at that I'm just immersing myself in the art world which is the thing that's more new yeah but also you're 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 trying out doing stuff on your social media and, and stuff yes. like that so, so so you are exploring I think that's a really key thing isn't it as well to think about um, I remember reading the Harvard Business Review, sort of starting a business book, and it talked about what your unfair advantage is. Yeah. And every single person listening to this podcast has a unique set of unfair advantages. Mine was also that I was uh, that I was a marketer. I had an amazing network. I wasn't afraid yeah. to get on camera. So for us to think about 
not just the skills that we may have acquired over the course of a career, but anything slightly outside the box that might benefit us as we as we make our way on this next on this next chapter. Um, yes. I want to quickly touch on um, the kids point, actually, because one of my observations is that I'm so grateful that I made the leap before I had children <laughs> because I was speaking to someone who does similar things to me. And he's probably a few years older than I am. And he had a redundancy situation and actually chose um, to get another job as opposed to going and pursuing um, his side hustle, which was in training like me. And the reason he gave was I got too many responsibilities um, and I've got two kids and a, and a wife that rely on me. And, and, and I just didn't feel like I could do that. So it, re it really reinforced to me. God, thank God I did do it when I had all the time in the world because I didn't have kids. You obviously made the transition when you did have kids. So can you talk us through a bit more about the thoughts that went through your head and, and you know, how you kind of came to terms and then made the decision that you did? Yeah, so, I mean, I think, what, to be honest, me having children, um, especially my eldest, who's kind of quite creative character, quite entre naturally entrepreneurial, um, I felt like I wanted to set him an example of something different and I wanted him to have a mum who was clearly enjoying life and had energy for him um, obviously my second one but he's two he's only three so he's too little um, but yeah I wanted to kind of have a good show him a good alternative to the sort of professional corporate career or I mean my other half he's a uh, a doctor so his is a very linear you pass this exam and then you have this so you know I and I, and I think the way the world is going is it it is much more entrepreneurial uh, um you know that that's definitely a, a really significant option so even when I kind of thought oh god you know I can't do this and there were plenty of moments that I thought that when I made it you know as soon as I made it not about me and about my children all of the benefits were there spending more time with them as I've said being a good role model, you know, trying to find out how to do, having spent years like saying, oh yeah, this, this is the theory of marketing or this is how you do it in a big corporation, doing it myself, you know, doing it just, just for my business um, and figuring it out so that I can help guide him potentially when the time comes or both of them when the time comes. So that actually helped me, um, but I completely hear what you're saying around, you know, it, it makes the risk bigger in many ways but that's why it's important to prepare financially. Um, and, you know, don't get me started on the chest and on the cost of childcare. Um, so there is an upside. If you're, if you're the one who's going to be picking up from school and things like that, then you don't have to pay for those after school clubs or, or holiday clubs, for example. So that's a big part of, you know, I will be, once I get into the full swing of it, I will not be working as hard in the, the school holidays um, on my business, I will be, there will be an ebb and flow to the, to the year in accordance with the school year. Um, so that means that that saves money there. So I think it's a case of just really looking at the bottom line of your kind of family budget. And I kind of was like, wow, we are spending a lot of money on childcare here. Um, so once you remove that, it's not, it potentially is worth worth looking at that item on your list to see if there's actually a benefit to be more flexible and things like that so um that's that's one thing to say and then I think it's just majorly important to talk if you if you if you do have a partner or husband um 
to talk to them about it financially you know I'd supported him through medical school <laughs> that's five years I remind him that was five years I'm sort of saying give me a year um and um you know I still pay my own way because I have savings but it's ultimately a case of managing his expectations and you know me saying setting out clearly don't expect me to be earning money from day one this is the standing start I'm not intending on on selling anything for probably a good year so um then then you don't feel under pressure it just you have to have that breathing space um and, and things in place um so I think that's the thing it's just being really open talking along good good communication with your other other half yeah great advice there I really like that and it's interesting, a few of the different people that I've spoken to, both on this podcast, but more generally, um, there are financial sacrifices that you do have to make in order to make this dream come true. And it is yeah. about thinking short term pain, long term gain, yeah. gain, gain, um, <laughs> and, and being prepared to make those decisions, not go on a summer holiday or not do these things so that you can give yourself the financial space to just pay for the things that you need so that you can get to where you need to get to because you need time time is the most precious resource right and you've given yourself back a load of time but it doesn't come for free because we've got mortgages and childcare and all the rest of it yeah exactly and you know and so maybe like you say taking the summer holiday out or a holiday out of the the year it's almost then a really tangible thing to desire to put back in. So, you know, maybe in like year two or my first official year, my financial goal might be have enough to pay for the family holiday or, you know, things like that. And because I like a really tangible goal. Um, and I think it was the lady um, for who founded the Cambridge Satchel Co. She had like a very clear target of she wanted to send her children to, to school, to a private school because the ones near her weren't sort of suitable for her kids and you know so she had a really tangible goal and with 600 quid then created the Cambridge Satchel Company so you know it, it can be done you don't have to be sitting on a pot of money to do it if you've got a, a, a goal and a, a reason for doing so a purpose like we we're talking about if you've got a purpose that really means a lot to you then you I really do believe in the power of um, human ingenuity I, I think it's I think it's all there for the taking love it and I'm gonna assume no let's not assume let's ask you the question so you're you're probably earning well I'm sure you're earning significantly less than you were say this time yes. a year ago has it been worth it so far oh, 100% I mean I, I still every morning when I get to come into my studio and well a you know I'm I'm able to create what's in my head or what's on you know what's on my agenda that day whether it's you know looking at uh, sort of different information or listening to podcasts I, I can do whatever I want which is kind of sometimes it's a bit well I could do whatever I want but just just that is just an absolute pleasure and I can you know paint listen to music podcasts and learn I mean learning is something I just I have an insatiable appetite for so and I hadn't really thought about that beforehand that I can actually listen to so you know when you're working in a corporate job there's no way you can't have music on well we didn't have music on and podcast songs you've got to be concentrating you spend most of your life on on teams calls or zoom calls so just the freedom to be able to do that and to just not have to ask for permission to be creative and to do certain things and try it out is is an absolute joy so it was 100% worth it yeah I, I 
I, you, you, I couldn't, I couldn't like get hundreds of proof points, although I'm sure if I went out to get them, I could, but I'm pretty sure no passion led entrepreneur who's in pursuit of their purpose has ever felt like, oh no, like it, it, even though I'm earning less money, it's not worth it because what you get back in fulfillment and satisfaction and helping people and feeling aligned to your values and playing to your strengths and all of that stuff is worth more than a summer holiday or whatever. I remember speaking to a lawyer once when I was at Deliveroo and she wasn't the lawyer type, if that makes sense. And, yeah. and, and, and she was just like, I hate my job. And I was like, well, then why don't you do something different? And she wanted to do stuff with the environment, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, because I got really used to a lifestyle that I'm not prepared to give up. I've got, you know, a two bedroom flat in, 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 in Canterbury and I've got a, a car and I've got this and that. And I just thought, God, that I get it. I, I, I yeah. really get it. But God, that's sad. Like, I don't know, me personally, and I don't know what you feel, um, listener, but for me personally, I would much rather earn significantly less but be doing something that I love and aligned to my passion and purpose and all of that good stuff. I'm sure you're yeah. the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people can end up in a gilded cage of their own making. And, and I just, yeah, there, there's nothing worse than that feeling. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if you've seen this, um, there's a podcast um, about the good life. It's got like, I don't know, 23 million hits, but um, I can send you the link. But essentially, it was the longest ever happiness study conducted over 75 years. So that takes undoing, you know, researchers come and go throughout their lives and things. And it all fundamentally came down to those who were healthiest and happiness, not ha happiest, not just from a longevity point of view, who lived the longest, but genuinely happy um, with their lives looking back. And it was people who had who had um, made really good and deep relationships and connections and I think that's fundamentally, you know, what I've seen when I look back at the times when I've been the most fulfilled, it's really having those deep relationships and connections with people. Um, and that's what I think that, that's what I get from art as well, because you can really depict things. And when people say the best feeling is when someone says, oh, my God, I feel really seen because I didn't, you know, people didn't even realise that that feeling was there. Um, and you've painted something that connects with them you know and makes or makes them question something and it's just it's just really interesting yeah I can identify that with the work that I do when I have a coaching session and someone something clicks for someone or you can yeah. just feel someone thinking about something differently it's it's so powerful and and for somebody else it, it will be a completely different type of thing that makes them feel like that but we each have that thing it's just about figuring out what it is yeah okay amazing Louise I'm I'm so thrilled that we recorded this because I don't know I I, I think that this is full of some really useful tips and things to think about for those in search of purpose or or, or, or those wanting greater fulfillment so thank you final question for you um it's a bit of a boring one, but I also think it's a really good one, which is why I kept it in. What's your best piece of career advice? So my best piece would be very simple, but stay curious. Um, and I think that's, you know, if you're in the corporate world and you want to know more about why decisions are made and everything, just never be afraid to ask questions. And we've heard it before and things like that, but it really is what I live by. So stay curious about your environment, what's going on, why people are making certain decisions they're making, and then stay curious about your own, as we've talked about, you know, what's making you tick? You know, why are you making these decisions? Make sure you're kind of really aware and 
not falling asleep at the wheel of your life you're just curious and asking questions about is this still right you know every six months every year you know keep asking those questions am I on the right path love that don't fall asleep at the wheel of your own life oh thank you so much Louise we'll share all of your um Instagram and website and everything in the show notes so you can go and check out all of Louise Emily's amazing work but thank you listener for listening and we'll see you next time bye Hi, Alice. Thank you.